Welcome to C-Suite Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Right, Alan here. Thanks everybody for watching and listening. We are chatting with the one and only John Wesley Ship. As you can see the picture behind me, if you're listening, we're talking The Flash, Dawson's Creek, a couple stage productions. Thank you for your time. It's a pleasure to meet you and chat with you. Brett, thank you. It's good to be here. Well, let's start out with Dawson's Creek because I I mean, The Flash, you're in, in the midst of filming the final season, uh, which is huge. We can talk about that here shortly, but... I want to talk about Dawson's Creek because, as I mentioned, it's the 25th anniversary of that, and that's huge. A lot of people feel a lot of certain ways about your storyline uh, and why things happen the way that we did. We get that, but this is a big deal. So how does it feel to have that be on the forefront right now of everybody's minds? It's a you big know, I, thing. It, it, it's an incredible. I've been a professional actor for 43 years going on 44, and I've tended to land in mediums at seminal points in defining those mediums. The youth explosion on daytime in the early 80s, uh, the flash redefining how these stories are, stole, are told, stories are told and meant to be taken on screen for an adult audience. Dawson's Creek was a new way, brand new way of writing uh, dramas for young people. You know, Kevin Williamson was not writing down to a young audience. He was writing up. You know, these kids had complex interior and emotional lives, which were reflected in the parents' storylines and informed by the parents' storylines. But they were very internalizing everything that they saw and that they felt in the creek. And they had the vocabulary to express what they were feeling and it nothing had been seen like it you know i was off in moab utah shooting the lost treasure of dos santos with david caratine and <laughs> and lee majors and and kathy lee crosby and michelle Gray. and they shot the pilot presentation and then they decided to go a different way with the dad and uh they sent me that pilot presentation and i was looking at this show and how the creek itself the waters of southeastern coastal north carolina were uh, a character in the show 
and about how these kids were processing their experience. You know, I, a big star had once said to Kevin Williamson, yeah, but kids don't talk that way. And without hesitation, he shot back, maybe not, but they'd like to, you yeah. know. And so I just, I knew people forget because once something becomes a pop cultural phenomenon, which Dawson's Creek did, it then inevitably goes through the late night talk show, show joke circuit. And then people forget that at the beginning, it was the critically acclaimed Dawson's Creek. It was yeah. editor's choice, pick of the week. I mean, we hadn't seen anything like the third episode of the first season, which was the hurricane episode. So masterfully crafted by uh, Kevin Williamson, all of the actors, these wonderful young actors, Mary Margaret Humes, me getting to do this father-son relationship, one of many, as it turns out, um, with James Vanderbeek, you know, and explore that. Sometimes he was the parent and Mitch, you know, so we, <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. I mean, uh, and so I watched it and I was like, this is special. This is unique. Uh, and so I auditioned and, and I went in when they were starting the second episode. So I reshot the first episode and then picked up with the second episode. And uh, from my vantage point now with all of these projects, whether it's daytime, whether it's Flash franchise, Dawson's Creek, I look back and I'm grateful to be a part of these legacy uh transformational in their medium shows you know yeah i get that and interestingly enough and maybe thankfully you might have a different thought but it's one of the few shows that has not been reboot attempted like if there's you know with this day and age not that that's not a knock on anything that has or the flash or anything like that but you know what I mean? As far as there's other shows like Outer Banks that have been out and other things, Jenny and Georgia, where they have been often compared to Dawson's Creek. But I agree with you going back to what you said at the beginning. It was a show that was writing up and it was very smartly written and it was just something different and unique. And I think it is now in the milieu of of classic television shows in being reintroduced Yes. To new audiences. So when people yes. meet you at these events, these conventions that you do, where where do you fall with their recognition? Is it mostly the flash or can you a better question would be can you see a fan come up to you and know this is going to be a flash person or this is going to be a Dawson's Creek person? I've played superheroes, I've played psychopaths, I've played really good dads, I've played incredibly evil and abusive dads. Um, the most notable difference was after my stint on Teen Wolf okay, as Mr. Leahy, Daniel Sharman's yeah. abusive psychotic father that pushed the envelope even for me. I mean, that was so dark. A review said, fans of The Flash and Dawson's Creek, get ready. This character leaves no room but to hate I remember. <laughs> yes. You know, and I went, yes. <laughs> you know, that's got to be satisfying as an actor to go, yay. Like, yes, this is you cool. You got it. You saw me, you know, and that's, that's an incredible feeling, whether it's people who write me such wonderful, generous things on Twitter, particularly with the Flash 
coming full circle. Uh, to know that you've been seen and that your intentions have been realized and recognized. But um, I could tell <laughs> right after Teen Wolf aired when I would do an appearance and Dawson's Creek, of course, Mitch dying. And then there was Henry Allen at that point, who was, you know, the best dad ever, even though he was in jail. And I, if someone came up to me like, <laughs> I knew it was Dawson's Creek. If someone came up to me like, I knew it was a Flash fan excited that I was back in the franchise. If someone came up to my table like, uh, I don't know about <laughs> you. I'm not, yeah, but I do. I, I would go Teen Wolf, right? I'm really sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> so. You're like, I'm sorry if you know somebody like that in your life or a friend. Indeed. That... So let's talk about The Flash. This is huge because. I want to say one more word because you said something very interesting. Absolutely. And that is about um, the fact that it hasn't been Dawson's Creek rebooted. It is kind of frozen in time, right? Yeah. Before social media, before everyone was texting, what need would Joey have to climb the ladder up into Dawson's room for their late night talks if they could just text to each other? I mean, and there's something so wonderful about capturing that before you would walk out of your house and onto the subway or onto a college campus and everyone's like this. Yeah. And if you say good morning, they're stumped for an answer. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. I'm a real life person, but I'm harmless. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. You said that somebody asked Jerry and he gets Seinfeld all the time. Reboot, reboot. And he's like, with the age of technology now, with iPhones and FaceTiming, it would would be annoying to have a show because all they would have to do is just text each other. There would be no reason to come to an apartment and visit somebody, Kramer bursting in, because it could all be solved simplistically with a text message or an email. (laughs) So I get And I think there's... And I'm glad that there's a new audience, a young audience uh, rediscovering it, because let's remember how to talk to each other face to face. Real conversation. I mean, I know I'm the old guy in the room at the moment. You know, I sound like my parents did when I, you know, but let's remember how to how to talk to each other live face to face. Let's remember how to communicate our feelings without being able to delete and say, no, that's not the way I want to say that. Let me say it this way. That's not how I want to present myself. Let me put this filter on. Uh, you know, uh, I think there's there's there are wonderful creative expressions available to young people today. And I don't disparage that at all. But there is also something wonderful about remembering a time, God bless her, where, you know, Joey has crawled in the window and is up on the upper landing, Dawson and Mitch don't know she's there. And she's watching Mitch teach Dawson how to kiss a girl on a prosthetic head of Joey that is about to be in one of his horror movies in preparation for kissing Jen. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the creative mind that that one scene alone came out of, you know, and my hat's off to to the experience of Dawson's Creek. Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal. Lightning in a bottle for sure. So The Flash, as I mentioned, you're in the throes of filming the final season. Uh, DC has definitely struck gold with this. 
uh, on the television side of things. Of course, there's the films. So let's go back to the beginning when this show is out, it's popular, and you get the call to come back and bring back an iconic character. Was there initially, was it excitement? Was it hesitation? I mean, because now we're in this world where anything is possible with superheroes. Like they can travel time, they can multiverse, time warp, you pick. Well, back in 1990, I phased my molecules cools through a wall remember yes um well i had represented as the only live action flash for 24 years yeah and the it had gone in and out of development ryan reynolds was going to do it somebody else was going to do it and so we kept waiting and so when i heard they were finally getting it together not only uh a new flash but entire multiverse on the CW under Greg Berlandi, who was one of my head writers on Dawson's Creek, by yeah. the way, uh, people were like, do you want to be a part of it? I said, well, you know, they could go one of two ways. They might want to make a complete break and make it entirely something new. I would completely support and understand that 24 years is a long time to represent, you know, as a superhero. So, um, I said, and then I heard how Jeff Johns had blown up the Allen family, how suddenly Henry is wrongfully convicted of killing his wife in front of his 10-year-old son. And he's been in Iron Heights prison for 14 years with everything that that conjures in the mind of a comic book audience, Iron Heights, you know. Um, and that was not my origin story at all. You know, Emmett Walsh had not killed Priscilla Pointer in front of a 10-year-old. No. You know, so I was like, if they come to me and I'll be absolutely fine if they don't but if they come to me that's the role I'd want because that's a role John would want to play whether I had been ever involved with the franchise or not you know I think having played Barry and having explored him as a character taken seriously as Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo did in their beautiful pilot treatment hour and a half movie and then continuing with the series um i think it gave me an insight into character of barry and prepared me to play henry to grants barry uh which also added to the texture of of the casting and casting me in that role so they didn't say come back and play a superhero it, it, people were going jay garrick jay garrick I, at the time i'm not sure I would have been as enthusiastic about coming back as a superhero right away and comparing myself to myself 24 years earlier, which is where my head goes, you know. Um, but since it was this rich, dark uh, character, and I saw Grant Gustin's work on Arrow, and I saw that it was pure and honest. And there was no artifice. Yeah. And I was like, I would love to work. I would love to work with him. And I also figured it would carve out if Henry has been convicted, Barry's the only one who knows he didn't do it. Even his good friend, Joe West believes he's guilty. Uh, that would carve out in the middle of this action packed, as you say, CGI enriched superhero treatment. It would carve out an emotional space for John and Grant to connect. 
the lights go down, the music softens. We walk into the prison phone booth. We pick up the phones and it's just him and me, you know? And that's exactly what happened. People were saying, I said, I, I know why you want me to be Jake Garrick. You want a passing of the torch and I promise you that you'll get it. It'll be less on the nose than here's how you be a superhero kid. It'll be a father-son blessing. Yeah. I said, just do me a favor because, you know, comic book fans and soap opera fans are alike in this way. They're fans for life. They are yes. legacy fans. They know what has come before and they know what is not truthful in the present moment. That character would never do that. Well, that's not legacy. Well, that, you know, and, uh, so there was some resistance, as there always is, to a change to send. They, I think some people thought they were being loyal to me, even by expressing reservations about a younger uh, version, a different version of the character. And uh, and I would say, just do me a favor. Just watch the pilot. Promise me you will watch the first episode and then make your decision. Because I knew filming it i knew god these actors are so wonderful and everybody was so committed to bringing themselves to what they were doing uh nobody was phoning it in yeah you know i mean david nutter directed the first episode i mean look at our creative team greg berlani andrew kreisberg jeff johns david nutter um i knew that what we were getting and what was on the page I would write Greg and I would say, Berlani, and I'd say, Greg, I hope these young actors realize the gifts that you are giving them with these scenes. Because this is, you know, in any just universe in which superhero action adventure was automatically kind of out of the running for Emmys, Grant Gustin would have been nominated. I'm telling you, it's some of the most honest, truthful, Emotionally available, vulnerable, textured performance that you could ask for anywhere on television. Go back and look at his work. Look at how he differentiates his two father, his relationship with his two father figures. I raised him from birth to 10. Joe raised him from 10 years old to adulthood. We're both paternal fig father figures, right? But yeah. look at the difference between the way he relates to Joe and the way he relates to Henry. He comes into that phone book and at times, including when he pulled the mask back and revealed himself, where he transformed into a 10-year-old child. The vulnerability, the openness, the <clears throat> rawness. It was re really some of the most memorable scenes of my career. You know, uh-oh, that's my, that's my watch talking to me. Hold on. <laughs> It's like Love they're listening. They're listening to you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, that's what's funny about the Chinese spy balloon. It's like everyone's like they know your address. I'm like, do you have an iPhone? Yeah. Do you do you have Alexa? Are you laboring under the delusion that they don't already know where yeah, you are? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> come on, let's be honest with ourselves. <laughs> but that's another that's another story. Yeah. No, um, I, I appreciate your honesty with that. I think it's just all been done so well, and with excellence. It's been fun watching you, and this story continue as we come to the final season.
You also are working on some stage projects too in the midst of filming. How exciting is that? And what what's that all about? What can you tell us? Well, just before COVID shut everything down, uh, David Gregory, who played my eldest son on One Life to Live, another abusive father, petty thug, delusions of crime syndicate wannabe, poor Eddie Ford, you know, took it out on his sons. He, uh, <laughs> he played the eldest, Bobby Ford. He wrote this beautiful play, um, Hank and Jim Build a Plane, about the lifelong friendship of Henry Fonda and Jimmy Stewart, despite vast wow. political differences and romantic rivalries. Every Sunday, they get together and they build a plane, which becomes a metaphor for how do you stay in relation with someone with whom you have enthusiastic differences, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we workshopped that in New Orleans. And then it kind of went into limbo as everyone was adjusting to the new reality of no live theater for a while. And uh, now I think they're 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 engaging in some rewrites, some looking at it from a couple of different angles. I, I hope in whatever form it gets produced because uh, there's some there's a real message in there uh, for today. Another project, uh, Mike Boland, who interestingly enough, I did Twelve Angry Men in Pinehurst, North Carolina, a couple of years ago. Uh, the Henry Fonda part, juror number eight. Mike Boland is the best juror number three, who's the real conflicted one, and the one that we have the real bam butting of heads at the climax of that play. He's the best juror number three I will ever see or be on wow. stage with. And we got a couple readings together for Connecticut. We are now looking at mounting another production of it with David Gregory in his wow. acting capacity uh, in Connecticut. We're looking at the possibility of, of, of June. And that's another play that is incredibly timely for today. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think so, especially with just everything that's happening and going on. It's just... <sighs> everything is so relevant right now. How very exciting. So I'm assuming you're almost done with the flash. You're wrapping up episodes and everybody says this is going to be the best. The best is yet to come. I mean, everything has been phenomenal so far. So, I mean, you just have to be thrilled to have people be able to see this here in, in a very short time. What you've been cooking up. I can't imagine. <laughs> We're still cooking. We're still in the kitchen. <laughs> we still got the oven on it's still baking um people were asking me because you know everyone else was wondering how the cast would feel working so closely and people were talking to them about doing it for nine years yeah and uh which i can't imagine because at the end of 1991 in the last scene with mark hamill as the, we were fighting the sun coming up after one more all-nighter in southeast los angeles because we wanted the style of the architecture of the building to be just right. And I'm in the suit dripping sweat. I ripped the wings off and threw them in the air and swore I'd never get into another superhero suit. As long as I <laughs> You're like, I'm done. I- I'm done. I mean, it's the hardest thing physically I'd ever done. Plus with live action practical effects, we didn't have the possibility of filling in the blanks with CGI, which also looks phenomenal, you know, uh, but it was all night long every night. But the fact that they did it for nine seasons, I was wondering, you know, how people feel. And I and I talked to Grant. I had asked, I won't share what he said because that's that's private, but I was interested in knowing 
how do you feel? First of all, how have you done it for nine years? And how have you maintained your enthusiasm and commitment to the role as you have? That was my first question. Second one was, how do you feel? And then someone turned to me and they said, you've done in this one franchise, if you cast if you count Flash 90 as an additional character, you've done five characters across three networks on five different shows over 30 years. Wow. How, how do you feel? And I stopped because I wasn't aware that I was going to feel anything because I always saw it as this is Grant Gustin's show. This is y'all's show. I come in to support you. Mm. You know, which was easy to do. Yeah, I mean, you do a phenomenal all, job. They're all so talented. And I'm also, I was committed from the very beginning. I wanted Grant to have the kind of commercial success that we just missed in 1990. We had the critical success, all the major newspapers, Washington Post, New York Times, LA, you know. Um, and I'll always be grateful for that. But, you know, I wanted them to have it. And by God, they've had it. But, I didn't really think I'd have a feeling about another goodbye, you know. Um, wow. But I have to tell you, as I have been keeping up with and without going into specifics, shooting the last season, um, I do have some feelings coming up. I imagine. Because it has been, you know, sure, I've done Broadway, I've done, I have my two daytime Emmys, I have uh, other primetime, my drug addicted cop on NYPD Blue, you know, I have all these different yes. rogues gallery of characters that I've played, you know, and, but Flash has been a thread that's kind of come in and out, but for the last nine years has been present uh in my in my life and in my career and in my consciousness so as we as i observe what's going on as they move through it and whatever my contribution is i can't say or isn't um i do find some feelings coming up and it's uh it's interesting it's interesting and it's not sad nothing sad about it and i think this is the way they're crafting the last season one of the things about the crisis episode where my flash 90 came back and took the bullet you know a flash must die in crisis and i yeah came back as flash 1990 which i thought they were insane when they first suggested <laughs> i would come back and i was like you You're realize like, that no! was 28 years ago right they said ah you'll be fine but anyway is that at the end of that it was so wonderfully done and written and directed and acted by everyone and yeah uh that a critic said it turned what could have been a harrowing moment into a triumphant one. Yes. And I have to tell you, that's the feeling I'm getting as we're, as they are moving through this last season. Um, I think it's going to pay huge dividends in terms of the emotional investment that the audience has made in the show and in these characters up to this point. Wow. I cannot wait. Again, I grew up watching your Flash. I love this Flash. 
Dawson's Creek, such a, an amazing body of work. I really appreciate your time. It's, it's just been a true pleasure. I mean, getting to talk to so many amazing people like yourself, but really just that small part of me <laughs> being obsessed <laughs> with superheroes and being able to interweave your flash uh, with the current flash. I mean, the flash in general. And then of course, you know, being on star girl, I mean, just Arrowverse, all of the interweavings <clears throat> is just mind blowing. And to get to say goodbye once on a successful show is one thing, but to say goodbye twice to a character is a true testament, I think, to your talent, to the writing, to the storytelling. John thank Wesley you. Ship, thank you so much for your time. Today. May I, say I really appreciate one it. more thing I, I want to point out. The audience, and I've seen it reflected in my personal appearances, whether it's South America or Europe or across the United States, there is a, a sense of, oh, no, this is the last season, you know, and I get it. But I, I, I tell people, think of what we've had. Yes. It, 25 years ago, who would have thought that on one network we would have an entire multiverse with overlapping stories and crossovers and the wonderful actors who have come in to play all of these parts that we have had 10 years, a decade of it. That's something to rejoice. And also it doesn't stop here. Just like it didn't stop when we weren't renewed in 1991. It doesn't stop here because no. in June, now on the, on the end of this one coming to an end, there's a project, there's a movie coming out in June. And they actually had talked to me about my my perspective about that. And I said, it kind of synchronicity happens, you know, at times, even though you don't plan it. As we're celebrating and mourning, you know, the end of one version, it's like, okay, what else you got to tell me? What else? Okay, John Wesley Ships told us this and this and this about this character, The Flash, very young. And then Grant Gustin came behind and told you this and this and this and this. Now we have a movie come out. What are they going to tell us? Yeah. So I'm going to be excited to go with that attitude. Okay. What else you got to tell me? Because it's a rich, rich experience. All of these stories and the, the legacy of writers and artists and actors and performers, uh, directors uh, wow. that have contributed over the years. There's so much more story to tell. You know, I cannot wait. Well, congratulations on all your success. And Thank I you. really appreciate your time, John. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much, Brett. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's time for another edition of the Brett Allen Show. It's go time. You and me. Join us weekly for the latest pop culture interviews from your favorite TV shows, movies, comedians, and so much more. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. It felt good. Plus, you never know who will drop by. What happened here was a miracle. Now, here is your host. I said throw down, boy. Welcome to the night's main event. Brett Allen.